Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Thinking Leader, where we're going to be talking about red team coaching and the new program we've got coming out real soon. Stick around till the end of the program and you're going to hear how you can get the first module for free. Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Thinking Leader. And do we have a big reveal for you this week, which I'm going to turn over to my good friend and colleague, Mr. Hoffman, to let you know all about it. Bryce, how are you? Indeed we do, Marcus. Indeed we do. We have uh, uh, hinted at this for months now, but today I'm so excited to be able to formally announce our alliance with coaching.com and the launch of our Red Team Coaching program. And I'm even more excited because today we are going to be talking with some of the Red Team coaches who've completed our, our pilot program and hearing from them about what they thought of it, what they got out of it, and how they have been able to use the tools and techniques we're teaching in this course in their coaching practice. So it's, it's really exciting. It's something that, that we have been working on for a year, and it is going to be something that we hope is going to really help spread these game-changing tools and techniques that, that Marcus and I are always talking about more broadly around the world to more people than ever before. So let's get to it. I want to introduce first Mickey and Rajmir, who just completed our, our pilot program of our, of our uh, Red Team Coaching course. Ladies, welcome to the show. Nice to be here and with, with Rajmir as well. So tell us a little bit about yourselves, Mickey. Okay, so um, my name is Mickey Feldman-Simon and I'm a certified executive coach. I am Israeli, Australian, um, American, have lived and worked um, on all three continents. Just to those of you who are going to be wondering, what is that accent? Because I've definitely had people stare at me trying to work that out. So... Um, I have worked in the corporate world for over 20 years in a variety of executive roles in uh, marketing, business development, and many years in HR. Under my HR leadership, multiple companies have had successful exits. And I work today uh, with high potential employees, people who are new at their role and need support um, in succeeding in their new positions to CEOs who are looking to broaden their impact. And I'm excited to be here. Welcome, Mickey. Rashmir. Fabulous. Well, um, I'm a transformational leadership coach and a strategic thought partner. I work with people that are creating change in our world. So they're often um, leaders in philanthropy and social innovation and entrepreneurship. I've spent a lot of my life working in that field of global health and international development and philanthropy, hence hence that's my, my niche. And, and I particularly love bringing together this deep inner transformational work with strategic thinking 
work because I think we need both inner transformation and outer transformation to see real lasting change in the world. Excellent. Oh, I love that, Rashmir. That sounds spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mickey. Well, we're really happy that you're able to join us today. So I'm just curious, can you tell us what you what you thought of the, the Red Team coaching course? I'm happy to start, Rashmir. Um, <laughs> and uh, I thought that the course um, gave us a lot of tools that can help us in our coaching. Um, I see the key role of the coach is helping um, the coaches. I'm an executive, an executive coach, so helping leaders see other perspectives. So um, the Red Team Coaching had exercises and methodologies that can really help us work through with the leaders to help them, what are they not seeing? And what think through if they have a plan, um, maybe where things could go, wrong, could go wrong, what could they do about it in um, a different kind of framework, I suppose, to what um, I have regularly been using as a coach. So I really appreciate that. Excellent. Rashmir? Brilliant. Yeah, so building on, on what Mickey shared, um, I mean, I loved it for, for lots of reasons. Uh, as, as Mickey said, it's, you know, there's a series of tools. So as coaches, we're always interested in learning. We're always interested in adding new tools to our toolkit. But, but what I liked about it is, I mean, a couple of things. One, it really challenges us as coaches on, um, to look at how we're thinking and where our own biases and assumptions are. So I think one of my first takeaways, Bryce, from, from the program is, is actually I can use this on myself and my practice. <laughs> and I've actually been bringing it into partnerships and collaborations that I'm exploring as well. So, so that's been it. incredible. But, but in addition, it's, it's, it's helpful because I, I've come across some of these tools before um, through liberating structures, for example. And I've also, you know, some of these, some of the questions are not going to be new to coaches. You know, I think of, of uh, six strategic questions and I would normally ask the first one or two, particularly in sort of large scale change type programs, but I've not necessarily gone down to, you know, four, five and six. And so what it's, what I think the program has done for me is it's, it's given, it's expanded that toolkit and it's brought in um, additional questions that I could, that I can bring into my clients basically and, and into my own work. So really useful and really useful in this time where people are grappling with the issue of biases are grappling with how do we include and engage people? I mean, I could go on, but maybe, maybe let's stop there. No, no, no I, I think it's good. Yeah. We'll get to more of that, but I, I just love how you were a, getting enthusiastic about it, Rashmi, which is always brilliant to see and feel, but also how you were talking about how you use this for both clients, but your personal individual reflection, which I think it's really, really important for people to understand that this, this toolkit that we talk about and that we've been creating and you know, trying to roll out as far and wide as possible to help people is it? yes, it is a professional business toolkit, but also we get so much feedback from people who are using it in their day-to-day -day personal lives, whatever it is they're doing, whether it's managing their going to the gym, booking holidays, managing the family, trying to argue with the kids, it's a really capable sort of a force multiplier 
for people, which is what I love about it. Don't use it on your spouses, though. Never, ever use it on your spouse. We we take no acceptance for that whatsoever. But yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. And also, as you said, recognizing your own biases and the assumptions that we continually make all the time. Such a powerful capability. And, and I want to come back to something else that you that you touched on, which was the 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 need for this today that you both mentioned. And, and you know, we're very fortunate. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith has so generously kind of put his imprimatur on this program. And I was just uh, watching a, a, an interview with him that he did talking about about red team coaching and, and why it's so necessary today. And the thing that he that he hit on is that leaders today have to make very difficult decisions in 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 contexts where they don't necessarily have all the information and where where the, the the game board is changing as they as they make them and that's that's a capability that that i think coaches can really help their clients with when they're equipped with these tools and techniques yeah i do and mickey nailed it with you know helping leaders see different perspectives because we often see such a myopic view by executives and it's not that that's how they are. It's just how they've seen the world and how they've moved through their careers. So they get to a certain point and they see things a certain way with their own biases as we all do. But I think bringing these tools and allowing them a, to see things differently themselves, but then as you expand the capability downrange and enabling your teams to speak up and have a voice and let them know what they're seeing, you're almost getting that 360 vision, if you will, rather than just that very narrow focus looking down range, which I think is essential to future-proof companies today in, in this VUCA world that we talk about, this complex world. I'm curious, Mickey, what was your favorite tool that you uh, that you learned out in, in the course? Can can I answer something to Marcus first? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we'll say it in. Marcus, I love what you said about um, how do we bring other voices in from within the organization. And uh, in the course, Marcus and Bryce often talked about what we're doing is creating clarity, capability, and culture. You remembered. Awesome. Our job is done. I internalized. <laughs> no, seriously. That's so I good to hear. That is was a really important concept and sort of uh, the perspective because I think exactly what you what you mentioned now, we're creating an organizational culture and with the tools we can bring the different voices in, prevent the groupthink. And um, whether it's a, a tool like Think Right Share, okay, that you, you pause but you hear everybody's voices, mm-hmm. then I think that the, like really thinking more broadly without, beyond, let's say, that one-on-one coaching that we're doing, but how do we create a culture that is built on looking at facts, challenging assumptions, and if we're thinking of today's environment where, environment where what is truth and what is a fact and what is an assumption here, it's all, you know, uh, I think that it has become an even more important tool in everything that we need to sort of not just take for granted and sort of look at what is really true here? What is an assumption? Okay, and if it's an assumption, what? How likely is this to really happen? Mm-hmm. You know, you raise an interesting point there, Mickey. When I when I wrote the book Red Teaming, which I which I started writing back in 2015, published in 2017, and when I first started teaching people about this, 
I didn't feel the need to to spend a lot of time talking about the difference between facts and assumptions. <laughs> and yet, sadly, today it becomes a major issue. And you're and and but I I, I think that that highlights in my mind why this approach is so necessary today is because it really is, you know, as we talk about in the course and, and, and Rajmir mentioned how, how some of these tools and techniques align with things that, that, that she's already learned and is already using as a coach. As I talk about in the course, this goes back to, to Socrates, you know, and the Socratic method and, and, and getting at truth by asking why and, and that sort of thing. But it's, we have somehow, particularly in recent years, kind of forgotten about critical thinking. And, and I would su submit that this is, and this is true both in business and government and in our personal lives, is that too many of us have outsourced thinking to others. We let other people think for us, whether they're our chosen news network or our chosen you know, radio station or an, a, a big consulting firm, you know, like McKinsey or, or, or Deloitte that, uh, you know, we, we let make our business strategies. In both cases, though, what's happening is that we're not the ones who are thinking anymore. And so a lot of these tools, a lot of these techniques, as you know, are designed to help us, but also our clients reclaim that role of thinker and think for themselves. Yeah, I, I think that's a really powerful statement, Bryce, because it's not just the outsourcing of thinking that we've done. We've also been seduced by technology, which we're allowing to think on our behalf sometimes, which is good and bad. We're also becoming over-reliant on processes and all of these new ways of working. And we've got the data. These new ways of working aren't working. And all of these things that are missing, the one human element piece, it's that single piece of the puzzle that seems to have been discarded over time either by people just, as you say, outsourcing it or just denying they need to think anymore because the robot will do it for them or the process will do it for them. And I think this capability of coaches to almost coach culture, coach capability, coach clarity back into the organizations and enable people, as Mickey was saying, to start having that voice, to start speaking up and interacting once again, because that's what we do best. That's what human, that's what we're doing now. We're all chatting, engaging having good discourse and conversation. And I think that's exactly what you talk about is lacking in organizations. And I saw Rajmir nodding before Rajmir did. What, what, what do you think? Well, you could tell I had something to inject here, didn't you, Bryce? Um, I, I was going to add another piece in because I, I agree with what you and Marcus have said. But I also think one of the biggest challenges that leaders have today is that they are so stressed. They are so busy. There's so many demands on them. There's no time to stop mm -hmm. and yes. think and reflect. And so, so this combination of the red team tools with the coaching capacity, because if you think about the container of coaching, right, even at, in, a, in a 20 or a 30 minute session, it's a space in which a leader can slow down and reflect and, and reconnect to that type two thinking, you know, think a little bit deeper, you know, be challenged in a safe environment and then, and then be able to, bring that out into their organizations. So for right. me, there's something about the combination that's not easy to, to implement in practice, right? It takes a little bit mm -hmm. of, of, of practice and play and, and development, but it's very powerful. It is. And as you said, Rashmi, having that time out as an executive, as a leader, as a manager with a coach to do what I love to say, to slow down, to speed up. 
just taking exactly. that moment of my mindfulness, yeah. doing, you know, stop, breathe, think, and just taking however long, doesn't take many minutes or hours, but just having the opportunity to slow down, recalibrate, apply some of these tools and techniques, talk to someone else, have someone else as a sounding board, have someone else as a critical friend, which is often I find lacking at the executive level. They'll, they'll take a lot of criticism, but they don't actually have a critical friend where they can go and talk to openly, honestly, and get the required feedback and often open feedback. They don't have honest conversations with other people and they often get told what they want to hear or what the person thinks they need to hear, which is a, a coach's role to not do that, but really help them see what's going on from a real, you know, reality perspective. It's very lonely at the top. Mm -hmm. And that's our role when we coach CEOs often is to be their sounding board, to give them a reality check and for them to have an impartial person that they can really talk through, hear the hard things or just talk through things. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was just going to add as well, it's because it's, I've been reflecting on this on the pilot and I've one of the reflections is I wish I'd had these tools when I was working in organizations because I and many of my clients are often the maverick voices, right? The people that are raising things that are difficult truths, that are difficult to hear, they're, you know, and, and so these tools can empower the maverick thinkers, the people that have really interesting ideas, not to raise them in a way that is not threatening to, to leadership, right? And, and therefore create more change. And that's an important thing be, that, that you surfaced there, Rushmir, because this red team coaching program that we're launching this spring with coaching.com is actually just the first level of a year long training program. And in, in the, the first two, the first two parts of it are devoted to, to red team coaching. But after that, building on that, we're going to be training people to use these same tools and techniques to train organizations, to train teams within organizations, to do exactly what you just talked about there, to to protect your dissenters, as Daniel Kahneman uh, advocates, and to and to enable those maverick thinkers. Because I, I I think we've all been that in organizations. That's what draws us to this. But to enable those maverick thinkers, and this is so important, to do that to play that role in a constructive and collegial way. So that instead of, of just being the squeaky wheel who everyone writes off, or instead of frankly being an asshole who just, you know, is constantly bursting everyone's bubble, to, 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 to offer those insights in a constructive and collegial way that people can hear and act on. Yeah, I think that's so true. And Ellie and I joke about this all the time, even, even when we were in the military where that is supposed to be, a, you know, an environment where you can speak up, you can't, you know, it's like in most organizations, you have to be quite courageous to do so and it can backfire. And, you know, I've, I've joked previously where I said, you know, I, I've done this many times and I always continue to do so because it's the right thing to do. But previously I, I have been given medals, I've been fired, I've been rewarded, I've been stabbed in the back, I've been given money. <laughs> All depends on the recipient, I guess, of, you know, the information you're trying to convey. And like you, Rashmi, if I'd have had some of these tools previously in my career, then wow, the difference I could have made and been able to convey what I'm trying to say in a more receptive manner, I guess. And as we like to say, you know, we, we can disagree agreeably and we can be professionally provocative, but it's always for the right reasons. And if people don't realize that's what you're trying to achieve, that can often backfire. So I think that's very powerful for the mavericks out there who are trying to engage with leaders as well to make a difference in their own organizations. You know, and when, and when organizations are at their best, they do that. 
and, and it's just it's just it constantly gives me chills because I, as, as Marcus knows, I'm a, I'm a big student of history, and you you continually see great leaders at great moments doing exactly what we advocate. I, I last night I was reading a history of of the Normandy invasion, and I was reading about a meeting with Eisenhower and Churchill and all of the generals, the la- the big meeting where they finalized the invasion. And in that meeting, Eisenhower stood up and he said, I want to read this because it's exactly what we're talking about. He stood up and he said, I consider it to be the duty of anyone who sees a flaw in the plan not to hesitate to say so. I have no sympathy with anyone, whatever his station, who will not brook criticism. Yeah, That's exactly that's so what we're talking about. Yeah. And that has to, and when, and when that comes from the top, yeah. and that's where I think as coaches, if you can enable that leader to have the vulnerability and the confidence to stand up and say that and accept that, you know, I'm going to take some spears by saying this, but then accept those spears in the right way. And we can then help their individuals deliver those spears in a far more less threatening way as well. As Bryce said, you get such a powerful outcome and, and a great organization starts to thrive when you see that happening. What do you think, Vicky? Yeah, I'm. I'm sitting here and sort of like yes, shaking my head um, because I, it goes to the to the culture part of it as well, right? Mm-hmm. So we are going from the that those three circles that I love, the creating the clarity, but we're giving them the cap that capability of for themselves. And Rashmi, going back to, I think every tool that I've learned to use in my coaching has helped me become a better leader, a better person, uh, but on themselves and in their teams and then creating this organization that's at the end of the day, it's open to feedback, right? Mm-hmm. And open to having more difficult conversations, but the red team coaching gives you tools so that you can do it in a non-threatening way, right? In a way that people can express their opinions, their hesitations, their big red flags or small red flags in a way that works in a positive way. So creating that positive organizational culture where it's okay to say when you think something is not right. Absolutely. And I think the leaders who demand that are, are the ones that are going to really surge forward, especially in this complex world that we're living in. Those leaders that accept they don't know everything, but they are demanding that their people engage and enabling that capability for them to engage. So I think that's that's half the battle. You know, we look at going to organizations and you talk to the, the front line and where's the problem? They all look upwards and point upstairs to the leadership. But then you ask them, why is it a problem? And why are they struggling with doing what you expect them to do? And it's because they aren't able to enable the organization to do what it needs to do. And I think that's the whole purpose of leadership is to enable, to create that environment for the organization to flourish, for those people within it to engage. And I think that's where you as coaches can really make that happen. That's what I was just going to say, too. I, I think yeah. that's coaches have a really important role to play now more than ever in helping their clients see that. What do you think, Reshmir? I see you nodding. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I concur. I'm, um, the, the nodding, the, there's two things going on in my head. I absolutely concur. I think. I love, I always can see the wheels spinning in your head. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> too, too much thinking sometimes. Let's hope it's type two thinking though. 
Um, but, but part of it is, is so that, yeah, two things going on in my head. One is uh, absolutely. And I think, so in some of the, the classes we've talked about, ego and managing ego again yes. you know the value of it of bringing coaching together with with the tools is really powerful because we can we can work on both levels right the the ego side and the and the practical side but i've also got and this is where the wheels were turning this question of those leaders that innately get it the need for inclusion and engagement who aren't necessarily yet at the at a place in their organizations that they can really drive change and I'm not sure yet if we've if if we've we've not spoken about that, right? How do we use red team tools to help those leaders get into those those positions where they can they can drive change much more easily? Well, I think it starts. I think it starts with this concept that uh, I learned about when I was with the U.S. Army at at, at the red team leader uh, course, which is the, Ar- the U.S. Army calls it my fifteen percent, and it's a very powerful concept. And it's based on some really powerful organizational psychology. And it was it was something the Army identified because they, 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 they had an interesting problem that they observed. So the U.S. Army loves psychology. They love doing psychological batteries on, on officers and stuff like this constantly. When I was in the course, we had different, you know, everything from Myers-Briggs to, to DISC to everything being done constantly throughout the, the three months I was there. And um, one of the things that the Army noticed when they launched the first Red Team Leaders course back in 2006, I think it was, um, was that enthusiasm for applying the tools and techniques went up, 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 until about two weeks before graduation. And the second week before graduation, it started to plateau. And the last week before graduation, it started to decline sharply. And because the Army loves psychology, they, they put some organizational psychologists, well, I mean, they, they put some psychologists to work on this, talking to debriefing some of the students. And they found that, I th- I'm sure, I see both of you nodding. I'm sure that most of our listeners can guess what the issue was too, was that people were saying, wait, now I have to go back to my organization and you know, I know that my general is a is a curmudgeonly, you know, arrogant uh, silverback gorilla who doesn't brook any criticism and uh, doesn't listen to disconfirming evidence. And I'm not looking forward to this task of of trying uh, to to help him think critically about his plans and strategies. And so, the army recognized that's true in some cases. Some cases, you know, people are not in a position where they can use these tools and techniques in a in a big way to change the the direction of their their teams or their organizations. So they put some organizational psychologists to work on it. And they came up with this concept called My 15%. And it's based on, on a lot of studies that have been done in organizational psychology in industry, as well as government, as well as the military, which have found that in any case, whether it's you know, a manufacturing company or the US Army, there's in any position from the C-suite to the factory floor, from, from the general's tent to the, to the front line, regardless of where you're at, there is at least 15% of what you're involved with that you have an ability to directly influence positively or negatively. Even a janitor sweeping the floors in a factory has things that he or she can do 
to positively or negatively impact the success of that factory. And so the, they added a, a, to the curriculum of the course towards the very end, a module on my 15%. And it was basically to say, to say, let's be honest, you're not always going to be able to use these tools and techniques to the degree that you'd like to be able to use them. But don't despair. Focus on your 15%. If you can't, if you're in a situation where you can't affect that change, focus on the things that you can affect. Focus on, 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 on the changes that you can make. And if Rashmir does that and Marcus does that and Mickey does that, the organization will change even if it doesn't want to over time. And it's a powerful concept and it works in business as well as, as, as in the military. And I think that's something that as coaches, it's important to help your clients see too, because you know, you'll, you'll have clients who get stymied and who feel like, Oh, I really want to do this, but I can't, there's always something that they can do. You agree, Mickey? Oh, I definitely agree. And I think that, uh, that it comes back to, in some ways, the, um, the concept of leading by example, right? Yes. So, like, you do your best. And I also, like, I, I coach my clients in some situations like that, that they can give an example of whether it is what was their thought process as they approached the problem. And through explaining the thought process and maybe the other perspectives that they gained or um, understood what could go wrong, all of that, basically using the tools themselves and then sort of explaining to somebody else how it worked to get them to where they are now. So it's like teaching in a roundabout way, but again, by example. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why we talk about in the class as well, where you say, you know, don't go out there and say, hey, we're going to go red team X today. Just start to use the tools subtly, a question here, a technique there, and let people ask you, hey, that, that was really effective. Where, where's that from? And then you can start to gain their confidence rather than they think you're going to pull some Jedi mind trick on them when you start the red team toolkit talk. And it's that capability, and, that's, and that goes back to what you said earlier, Rashmir. You know, we all see and use a smattering of these tools throughout our careers and see them cropping up. And which is why we say this is not a replacement method. This isn't a new framework to replace Agile or Lean or Six Sigma. All of this is a complementary capability, both cognitively, mentally, but also through the tools and techniques that support all of those other things that are out there. It's not replacing anything. So it's not a waste if you learn one tool set and then you do this instead. This is going to help you use whatever toolkit and capabilities you've already got in a much better way because you are slowing down to speed up, to understand the capabilities that those tools can actually bring rather than rushing ahead with them and not using them in the right way, which I think taking that time with your clients, with your executive groups to help them see that is often the, the light bulb moment I've seen with many of the clients I've worked with where they just have to be given the opportunity to do that. And then when they do it, they're like, you know, face palm moment or the light bulb moment comes on. It's like, wow, the revelations of that. And then now go and do that with your teams and your people and see how that works for them. Well, uh, this is, this is great stuff. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about what specific tools and techniques we teach in the course and how, how we teach it because uh, Rajmir has, has helped us a lot uh, figure out how to, to make this a really effective training. And I want to dive deep into that after we come back from this short break. 
If you like what you've been hearing in this episode and you want to learn more about red team thinking, or you want to learn how to become a red team coach, a red team thinker, a red team practitioner, go to our website, redteamthinking.com and register for our free red team coaching bootcamp. Like I said, it's absolutely free. It's available in last half of February, first half of March. Go there, check it out. Seats are limited. Love to see you in the course. Well, welcome back, everyone. What a great discussion we're having with Mickey and Rashmir. And we, and we were talking about the different tools and techniques that we teach in this Red Team Coaching course. And I just wanted to, to, to share what those are with folks. So, and, and Marcus, if I forget any, add them. Uh, so we teach, as Mickey mentioned, Think Right Share, which is really simple but powerful technique that, that underlies a lot of the different tools we teach. Six strategic questions, which is all about trying to help understand the second and third order consequences of plans and strategies, as well as helping to ensure that, that those strategies and plans are going to achieve the desired result, that we're solving the right problems. On the contrary, which is a simple tool for, for helping you kind of disrupt the patterns of cognitive bias and groupthink that we all fall victim to, Problem restatement, which is about looking at the problem you're trying to solve through different lenses to make sure that you're really trying to solve the right problem and in the right way. The Kniffen framework, David Snowden's excellent uh, methodology for understanding how to solve, what the type of problem you're dealing with is and how to solve it. Assumptions challenge, which Mickey talked about so eloquently. Also, Pre basic pre-mortem analysis, Dr. Gary Klein's amazing tool for looking at how plans, how strategies could fail so that you can make sure they don't fail and make changes up front. What did I miss, Mark? I feel like I've missed something. That flowing on from Gary, the triple filter method. Ah, the triple filter method. Yes, the, that Marcus and Gary developed together to help you did indeed. really prioritize your time and energy on the issues on the items that are most critical and most important to success. And that's just level one. That's Five modules, level one. level one. So I got to ask, Mickey, what was your favorite tool amongst all those? I, I'm going to go back to the Think Right Share just because it is so simple. And can I tell you a story of that? Absolutely. Please it? do. We'll have a good story. Come on. Okay. So uh, I was coaching a CEO and a CTO. And we're sitting and we're talking and I ask a question and the, every time I ask a question, the CEO just shoots the answer. Okay. The CTO, you can see sitting back, he's starting to reflect. We continue like that. And then I turn to the CTO and I ask him a question specifically. And the CEO, and the CTO sitting back thinking, the CEO's like, can I answer? I'm like, <laughs> no. This is what we're going to do now. And I made them sit down and do the think right share. Now, it has a couple of aspects to it because um, it was very interesting because part of the 360 reviews that I did, it came out that the CTO often ag just agrees with the CEO. Mm. And then we, I shared that with them and it's like, well, you're not even letting him say something. Maybe if you let the CTO say something first, maybe it will actually be that the CEO agrees with the CTO. But what it also does, it's that 
system one, system two thinking, right? Yes. Because it makes you slow down. So when you have to spend a minute thinking, it's not just that automatic response. You're really going into that system two thinking. You're sort of stepping back, zooming out, really taking a you know, more of a perspective of what am I assuming here and thinking a lot deeper, which in some ways the CTO does on a regular basis and the CEO is just more like shooting things out. So this was a great exercise for them communicating between them and taking it in within their organization so that everybody, whoever is like the faster thinker, the slower thinker, making sure that everybody has the opportunity to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really, really true. And it's a great example of how to use Think Right Share. As you say, it's so simple, but it uh, has such a powerful impact on the dynamic, particularly when you have that type of power dynamic at, at the top of the house. That's so cool. Yeah. Isn't it funny how everybody thinks that the power curve or the power gradient is like sort of low to the top? where across the C-suite, you often see that issue happening. And, and, and if those individuals aren't having those quality conversations because of those behaviors, then wow, you're not gonna get the great quality decisions being made as they should be because people aren't speaking up. And you've got C-suite members not being able to do that, but then you can quickly turn it around as you showed Mickey with a, such a simple, powerful tool. And I knew that'd be your favorite because it it's just gold, isn't it? It really is. What was your favorite, Rashmir? Yeah, really, it really is. I think I think that's the thing with with all of them. Like many of them are remarkably simple, but deceptively simple because you think, okay, so simple, so easy, but some of them are a little harder to to, to implement than you would you would think. Um, I don't know if I can pick Bryce uh, a favorite. I I mean, I love pre mortem. It's it's so powerful and. It, it can go very serious very quickly, but it can also be very fun because you suddenly realize, oh my goodness, I'm doing all of these things already. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 the, I'm, I'm sabotaging myself in various ways or, you know, whoever you're doing it with can quick, quite quickly see that. Um, oh goodness. I, I mean, I, I love all of them. I mean, I think coaches use problem restatement to a degree. But I think there were some additional things that I learned in problem restatement that I haven't used before. So I'm still playing with with that. And um, and then there was something I mean, I've always loved the Kinevan framework, but there was something that you guys said in this in this pilot. Um, and I forget exactly how you phrased it, but it really struck me for the first time in, in, a, in a different way. And it was it was I think I think you were talking about, well, which tools you might use depend on which of the quadrants you're in. And, and sort of a light bulb went off and said, oh my goodness, absolutely. And actually that's true for these tools and for a variety of other things. So yeah, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't given you one. I just can't pick one. No, that's all right. I, it's, I, I, I love all my children equally as I, whenever, that's what I say whenever I'm asked what my favorite tool is. Um, but you're right about, I mean, we, we do teach the Kinefin framework in a very focused way. It, it's a very powerful technique, but we find that sometimes people can use it, can go too far down the rabbit hole with it into trying to understand. We really just try to use it to help understand what the appropriate tools are to solve the problem. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and I think that that's, if you use it in that simple way, it's very, it becomes something that's very easy to use 
and very powerful. I think it helps you also in the very um, quickly uh, identify and work through, okay, how complex is this situation, mm -hmm. right? right? Does it seem, because sometimes the challenge comes up and it just seems overwhelming right then. But then if you take that step back and try and think, okay, well, there is a simple solution actually because others have done it. Okay, I can step back. I know what I need to do now. So it gives you the ability to see what the next step should be very quickly. And I think that's a great point. And the one word that crops up a lot in everything we talk about is problem. And a lot of the tools that we have created and use are there to help people understand the problem and then what to do about that problem. Six strategic questions, think right chair, pre-mortem, Kenevin, you know, making, Dave, Dave Snowden calls it a sense-making framework. So it lets you make sense of the problems you are facing and the type of problems. And once you do that, then you can understand which tools to apply, what system, one system to engagement you need, what people you need, what different skill sets you need. And I think that's that's really fundamental to understand because we're always facing problems. And I spoke to somebody the other week and she was struggling with her client because she was trying to use this. And he turned around and said, well, I don't have any problems. Oh. You know, oh, really? <laughs> Au contraire, I think you'll Well, and I think it's important to understand when we use the term problem, we use the term problem in the mathematical sense. So, you know, suddenly finding that you have an extra $100 million in cash for for next year that you didn't think you were going to have is a problem in that sense. The problem doesn't necessarily have to be negative. Uh, you know, recognizing that, that your, your biggest competitor has just gone out of business and you now have all this clean air in front of you in the marketplace is a problem. What, how to take advantage of that. A so nice we, problem we to have. problem yeah. as, as, as something that needs a solution. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. And that's important, yeah. I think, for people to understand. Because sometimes people get hung up on this. Oh, it happened in our class, actually. We had a couple of people say, well, well, you know, my, my clients don't have problems. And, and you know, every any, anything that you're trying to figure out is a problem. Two plus two is a, is a problem. It's not mm -hmm. got a value uh, statement associated with it. For me, that's a framing thing. So quite often yeah. when I'm, you know, say inclined to use the word problem, I might also bring in opportunity, right? So so what, what problem or opportunity, you know, are you facing today yeah. or do you want to focus on? The other thing, just to, to kind of round the train of thought, and then Mickey, I'm going to hand over to you, is... It's, it's just occurring to me, and I actually haven't done this yet with a client, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with this. Um, I've got a big client next week, in fact, that would be perfect for it. Bringing together the Kinevan framework with the latter part of the six strategic questions, because so a lot of my clients work in global health, international development. And one of the big frustrations is that a lot of the problem solving is done in a very focused, over-focused way, right? So they take what's a lot of complexity and bring it down to a small enough point that it seems linear. Mm -hmm. But actually using <laughs> the, 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 the last few questions of strict six, six yeah. frameworks could help open it up a bit. And then you can see which quadrant are you in? Um, and yeah. then where do we go from there? I love that. I love that. It's a great idea, Rashmir. Mickey. What I was going to say is that, you know, we're talking about problems, challenges, but what we, we're doing is like, if we look at, it, at the positive, we are creating clarity. We're just bringing clarity to whatever the situation is. 
Absolutely. And that's that clarity, capability and culture. And and you're so right. I mean, it's you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to have to to we're, Sam, we're going to have to put a put an E rating on this episode for what I'm about to say. But it's the truth. You know, we, we, we had on uh, a few months ago. One of my good friends, Justin Foster, who is our, our, our branding uh, uh, guru, who helped me early on formulate what I was trying to do with, with red team thinking. And Justin came out to San Francisco. We spent, we spent a long weekend together and he, he was just asking me, you know, to describe what I was doing, the changes I was trying to make. And one of, one of Justin's superpowers is he, he's able to listen to people and then just kind of drop these truth bombs that are like, just like devastating in their directness and clarity to your point, Mickey. And we'd been, we'd been going around the city. We were at cafe Trieste, the famous beat cafe uh, in, in, in San Francisco where all the, the beat poets used to hang out. And, um, and we were having, having uh, s- some, some espressos and all of a sudden Justin, looked at me and he said, you know what you're, you know what you're, you're doing, you know what you're doing with red team thinking? I said, what? And he said, he said, every organization creates this fog of bullshit around it. Every organization generates this fog of bullshit and you come in with these tools and techniques and it's like a, it's like a lighthouse. It's like it cuts through the fog and you can suddenly see the truth that all Mm -hmm. that BS is trying to hide. And you know, it's so true. That, every, you know, every organization, and, 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 you know, and he went on to say, and the reason why organizations do this is because they don't want to deal with those hard truths. Mm-hmm. So rather than deal with them, rather than even figure out how to avoid the rocks, they, they generate this smoke of BS so they don't have to look at it. And that, mm-hmm. ever since he said that, I've seen that in every organization to one degree or another I've worked with. Right to your point, Mickey. Yeah, you do, don't you? It's it's this facade that you see and often walk into. Sometimes it's that you know hidden. But as soon as you ask a few questions, and we've got some other great tools that allow those to very quickly surface. And again, it's once you do it, it's it's almost Ellie calls it leveling the playing field. You do it with the clients in the room, and you can feel everybody tense when we start to ask these pointy questions. But once you show them how to do it using the anonymity of the tools and the assuring way the tools deliver, and all that truth starts to come out, you see people going, this is really good. This is actually great. We're having a good conversation now. And if, and if the seniors in the room are willing and they are seen to be receiving it well and going, great, more, let's have some more. Okay, what else? What else? And then you can start to see that everybody's like offloading and the burden lifts them you know, it comes off them and lifts them up higher. And then you start having the call it conversations. Then you can start making better decisions because you're seeing what's real. You're not clouded by this bullshit Bryce talked of that is making you make bad decisions very often. And people aren't speaking up in those contextual situations because of that. And I think if you remove that very quickly, which you can do, you get a hold and this moves to the culture shift that we talk about as that third seat. You're changing the dynamics of the organization. You're changing the way people engage and you're changing the way people think about the organization itself. They don't come to work thinking, oh, I'm keeping quiet today because it's just more BS coming down from the top. We know the, we know the score. You get people coming in going, hey, we're going to get some good conversation today. We're having a very different, different conversation than we used to have. 
or I'm in a better position to challenge that. And I know that it'll be welcome because that's the culture we now work with it. And you can't beat that. Right. And I think that, that Marcus, what you just said now, it really made me think that what the red team coaching tools that you are providing, it is simple tools that um, leaders can take and implement to get rid of that BS. Because why is there BS often, right? Because they just don't know what to do. What should I do next? It's overwhelming. It seems too big, whatever it is. And there's a simple frame, like simple tools, frameworks that you can just go start asking these questions, okay? You start implementing these tools and suddenly you have a way of getting rid of all that fog. Mickey, what you're saying is so true. And it's like, you know, I. Oftentimes when we when we use these tools and techniques in organizations, it's almost like you can you can hear the collective sigh of relief when <laughs> when, when the when the fog parts. Because everybody That's what knows I was feeling. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody knows it's there. Even though even though we're creating this fog of BS around us, everyone knows that it's it's what's what it's shrouding, even if they're not even conscious of it. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows that there's rocks out there that nobody wants to look at. Everyone wants to know there's skeletons in the closet. There's a boogeyman under the bed, whatever it is. And, and so when you, when you turn on the lights and everyone can see that, it's almost like, people, you, like, like you can literally almost hear people take a deep breath because now it's out there. And I think back to something you know that, that, that I talked about in my first book, American Icon, when Alan Mulally finally got the, the executives at Ford to tell the truth about all the problems that the company was dealing with, he said it was the happiest day of his life because he said, now we could fix them. Mm -hmm. Before, he said, I couldn't fix them because I didn't know what they were. People weren't being honest. They were hiding them. They were, they were creating this fog of BS. But once everybody poured out their, their heart and soul and said, here are all the you know, 100 different ways this company is going out of business, he was yeah. thrilled. He had a big smile on his face because what, now yeah. he had a punch list of things that he could lead his team to do to fix it. Because what happens when you don't know? When, when there are those unknown unknowns out there, what does that do to you physically and mentally? It makes you fearful. It makes you tense. You start to pull the reins tighter. You don't trust people. But once you have that clarity, going back to the first scene Mickey talked about, it's simple, isn't it? You can list things out. You can have your backlog. You can then start to prioritize. You can use the tools to do that as well. And all of these things really help you. And what I also love about the techniques and the tools, and from a coaching perspective, what you're doing is using these in such a way that the, it's the individual who surfaces these things themselves. They cut through the BS themselves. It's not you, the consultant, or me and Bryce coming in saying, hey, here's a problem. Here's what you need to do. And there's what the next six months should look like. Because then you leave and they go, oh, well, what do they know about our company? But the way you use these techniques and the way a coach extracts the information through the question and the conversation, the individual, the client, the exec has surfaced all of these things themselves. And it's one of those things that if it's yours, you can't unsee it. If you surface that problem, it's not going to go away when we walk out the room because you found it. You called it out. We didn't tell you. And therefore, you get a far more greater sense of ownership of these problems once they manifest. And then people take action and they understand them. They're clear. They're not as tense. They're not as fearful. 
because now they're out there, as Bryce said, on the table and you can get the people around the table who've got the skills to do it and fix it and come up with better solutions. And I think that's such a powerful game changer as well as what I call a force multiplier that coaches can really bring into organizational executive departments and suites to make a huge difference. It does. So much cool stuff. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're nodding your head and you're saying, I agree, this is what we need. I'd love to learn how to do this. Here's the cool thing. Starting this week, we are going to be offering the first module of this course absolutely free. What? And we're free? Free. Free. Through our partnership with coaching.com. And uh, we're not going to just do it once. We're going to do 12 different free sessions over the course of, of the remainder of February and the first half of March. So if you are at all interested in this, if you're even curious, go to our website, redteamthinking.com, and right at the top, you'll find a link that you can click on to register for one of these free courses. And you'll see exactly what we're talking about. And if it's something that you're interested in, you can take it from there and complete the course and, and, and be part of this journey with us. But I really, I, I'm really excited about this opportunity to share these tools and techniques so much more broadly than we have in the past. And I'm really thankful for Mickey and Rashmir coming and sharing their, their perspectives on this course um, with, with all of our listeners and viewers. Thank you so much for taking the time to go over this with us today, ladies. Thank you for the course, for giving us the opportunity to learn all these amazing uh, tools and for having us here today. Absolutely. Ditto. It's, it's, uh, it's been so much fun and I've, I've learned so much from both you and Bryce, uh, both Bryce and Marcus, because you really lead by example. I mean, you red team yourselves all the time and that's, that's really, I mean, that's great to see, right? It means that you're, you're using the tools and, and you're getting value out of them and it's really encouraged me to do the same as well. So thanks. And, and actually, the other thing I should say is it's been, it's been fantastic learning from the other coaches in the program yes. as well that the practicums in in the pilots are absolutely invaluable so really worth worth the price of entry i'd say absolutely right i agree thank you all redteamthinking.com hope to see you in one of our boot camps thank you for tuning in to the thinking leader check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode there You'll also find a link to our free assessment. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.